You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We can start bullshitting now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's bullshit part two. <laughs> Went and saw Dunkirk last night, finally. What'd you think of that? It was good. It was well done. I really liked how it had the three different time sequences. Yeah, like, it, made a, it put a nice wrinkle into it. How one thing is set in days and one's by you know, hours and one's by minutes. Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting way to – really interesting use of film. And I think had Dunkirk come out 10 years ago, it would be a shoe-in for the Oscar. But we kind of live in – it's not the film of the moment, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, and uh, I think the, the Oscars both matter too, uh, too much and too little, if that makes any sense. Um, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with the awards themselves being political and like Hollywood saying this is the kind of movie we stand for, kind of stuff. I, I don't have a huge problem with that, and it's just that Dunkirk's not of the moment, so. Yeah. But I do, though I do think Dunkirk will be the film that twenty years from now people will look back on and be like, "Holy shit!" Like, this is a technical marvel, which is you know Nolan's bag. Nolan is a very technical director. Yes, he is. <sighs> yeah. Also, like, you know, the editing in it—it's it's, 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 it's very just. If you're a film dork, like Dunkirk is the kind of film that you go, oh my god, like, you know, the sound, how they record the sound. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's that kind of movie. I I really liked, I really, really liked it. I geeked out the entire film. Like, I was, I was in awe. But, like, I saw Shape of Water, like, a week and a half ago. Uh, I need, that's still on our list. I I didn't love it. I mean, I see why people love it. Like, I mean... I appreciated it. I walked out of it going, yeah, that was a really well-made film, but it didn't ever touch me. Yeah, I've had a couple people say that, like, it's hard to connect because at the end of the day, it's like it is a fish man. (laughs) Well, and I think the problem is it's not that he's a fish man. It's that at the end of the day, I never connected with him as a character. Yeah. Like, he's, he's always an it to me. Yeah. Um, he, he's an object and things happen to him and they do even people on his side do stuff for him and you know direct stuff at him I never got the sense that he had his own agenda and yeah it was hard for me to I, I never connected with the fish man and like you have if you think about it you have connected it with monsters in the past that's true I, I mean like the classic example is King Kong like you're supposed to identify with the gorilla mm-hmm. um I feel like this is the second pod we've talked about identifying with animals. Yeah. And, we talked and, about Planet of the Apes, too, which was kind of a bizarre... Yeah, but they at least talk. I mean, like, yeah. King Kong's a gorilla gorilla. And so, you know, there's a lot of times you're supposed to identify with the monster, even if it's an unfeeling beast kind of thing. And, I don't know, the monster just never, never felt like a person to me. And I think that's the biggest failing of the movie and if that doesn't work i think the whole movie sort of falls apart from there 
on the flip side, it's gorgeous, you know, and like I, I see what the use of color is amazing, and like it's really well acted. Like she does a great job. Richard Jenkins is awesome. fucking outstanding. Yeah, he's awesome as you. Michael Shannon is Michael Shannon. I mean, it's. And also, it's very – if you've ever seen Cinema Paradiso, it reminded me a lot of that. Like it's a definite like pay-on to old movies. There's a lot of like shots taken straight out of old movies. And it, it, there's a lot of love there. So I, I don't I don't feel good saying bad things about it because it's a, kind of a joyous film. And I, I hate taking a piss out of joyous things. <laughs> Del Toro is you know. great. He makes, yeah. Yeah. I, he's a I love director. Del Toro. Yeah, he, he he clearly loves movies and he loves what he does, but it's not Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, that was a really good movie. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down. It's like I think I don't even think it's Hellboy two. <laughs> I never and saw I really that like, one. I, I saw I, the first. I really like Hellboy two. I think Hellboy's better, but Hellboy two is highly underrated. But that's the thing. It's like that has a fish man. I connected more with that fish man. Yeah. You know, I felt more for Abe Sapien. Then again, Abe Sapien talks. <laughs> You just need a speaker, then. Yeah, I, I, I need no, but I don't always need words. But that's you know, like I, I care about some of the monsters in Pan's Labyrinth. So it was real, you know. So yeah, we'll, we'll do our Oscar podcast sometime. But instead, today is signing day, and welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. I'm Poser. That's Dan. We're back. talk about a second signing day <laughs> yeah um let me just it's not signing day can we can we all agree on that it's not really signing day it's the first day first true like national signing day because that's still the name of it in uh, several years that i didn't take the day off work normally i take the day off usually i have an interview or two you know i'm just like monitoring message boards and it, it just there wasn't near amount of traffic because so many guys signed back in December and then it was kind of interesting I watched a little bit of ESPN coverage early this morning to see the certain announcement and like the way they were framing their coverage was they were saying they were going to do something innovative which was to do basically 40 straight commitments without going to a commercial which is a yeah, I give it up to their producer. Like he was trying to think of something that'll keep people there. Um, so I mean, but yeah, it didn't have the same vibe. It just was. Yeah, it's it's signing day too. Yeah, and signing day is December, and there's a couple. And I think one of the big things we learned is some schools did a really good job managing the new rules, and some schools didn't. And we were one of the schools I think got caught flat-footed by the rules. Like, we just didn't adjust very well. Yeah, it's weird. Like, and I don't feel like Alabama did either, honestly. they finished. I with agree with you there. 18? I, I yeah, the very un-Alabama kind of class. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess I don't know if I, I want to – let's just put a disclaimer on this, at least from my perspective. 
anytime I say this isn't a very good class, like this is of course accept, accepting that like yes, it's it's a really good class. Like it's a top fifteen class. Like, yeah, I think that's I think this is the two ways to look at it. It's the top fifteen class. It's number fifteen class in the country, and that's very good. Most schools would love to have a number fifteen class, yes. and I think we can we both agree this is not a disaster. It's just the number fifteen class. But on the other hand, the last time we had a class ranked this low, it was two thousand two. Yeah, I mean, we—I put one out today because, like, in two thousand twelve, I think it was basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah, there was because there, I think there was one that was kind of an incomplete class. We only had like seventeen, or it, it was the numbers caught up to us. Yeah, and we had to kind of have an incomplete class. So I'd say this is our worst full class since two thousand two. And two thousand two, to be fair. As sophomores, they won the national title, and as seniors, they were the 2005 Katrina team, which is my favorite team ever. So let that be a lesson, that it's not all the ranking. Like, you can have a lower rank and still churn out great players. Yeah, the class, so we have the, like, Miles' first class in 05. 05. That one was incomplete for various reasons. Um, right. 2012, we had 25. We finished ranked 13th. I mean, whatever. If you put it, look at their points, it was actually lower than our points this year. But I don't. Whatever. No one's going to yeah. be looking at the points. Um, so yeah, I mean, I. It's not unprecedented. It's not. I think the biggest issue is that. Look, I I wrote it in my certain piece, but we hire Ogeron. The promises are number one: we're going to recruit. We're going to be the best, you know, one of the best recruiting teams in America. Number two: we're going to have the best staff in America. And okay, they ponied up to keep Miranda, and we were even pretty positive on Insminger. And I'm not even saying like Insminger is trash, but he's also not the best staff in America. And then you also don't follow through with like a top even ten recruiting class. I agree. You're losing yeah. people. Like what? I agree. I wouldn't call it promises broken, but at the same time, it's it's not promise delivered. Yeah. And I, I think I said this on Twitter today. It felt very much. Orgeron feels very much like it's one step forward, one step back. Because yeah. I, because anytime you get a little bit of positive momentum, it just feels like the air gets deflated out of the balloon. And then, but it doesn't stay deflated for that long because then he, you know, he reinflates it like. You know, yes, they lost Sertain, which is a huge loss, and you know we'll get into that. But then, honestly, um, what you call it at the end of the day, getting um, getting Chase—that yeah. was a huge get. Huge. Um, but going into the day, I didn't think we were going to get Chase. I thought he was totally going to sign with Auburn. I, I mean, that was even before Sertain and all that happened. That, that was the one I was like, he's not going to sign. Yeah, and if you're like a hardcore recruiting person, Chase is not really been an LSU person for basically his entire high school career. <laughs> He's kind of the inverse of Sertain. Like, Sertain was like, LSU, 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 LSU. Oh, no, I'm going to Bama. And Sertain was like, nah, maybe Kansas. Nah, I'm like Florida. Nope, TCU. Uh, no, Auburn. No, nope, I'm going to go to LSU. Like, <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, so, but, you know, the turd in the punch bowl is definitely Pat Sertain. Like, it he was the big get. That was the one – the guy you – I don't want to say you had to get because you know my attitude towards recruiting. Very rarely is there a guy you have to get. I think Leonard Fournette was a have-to-get guy. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not sure Pat Sertain is quite that level. 
I mean, he's really, really good. Um, it hurts to lose him. It's a painful loss. But I don't think this was the defining recruit of a regime. It will be if the regime doesn't go well in the next couple of years. But I think you can recover from not signing him. Yeah, it's a, I've kind of run through a few different, like thought about it a few different angles today. I mean, my my initial reaction, which I still think this holds, is like it's you know, kind of what, what I was just hinting at is it's kind of a condemnation on the staff because like this is what they were supposed to do, and this is like the guy. You know, this is three years of work and three years of him naming LSU as leader, and he's from New Orleans. Well, his family is from New yeah. Orleans, and he, he has a close close relationship with Corey Raymond and. All of that stuff. So it was sort of. I've been trying to find a, like a, an equivalent loss, but I can't really. Like Joe McKnight is about the best I can come up with. Yeah, that's and different because Joe, Joe is was that a Louisiana guy, you know. And I don't know. Joe McKnight was a very emotional loss, but if you look at it, it wasn't that big of a loss to the program. So yeah. I would love if this is the same as Joe McKnight, which was at the end of the day was much ado about nothing. I don't want to say nothing. Joe McKnight was a tremendous football player, but the program survived without him and actually got to new heights. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I I think there's a strong chance people are overreacting to all of it. Shocker. There is, but to me, I think the, what we were talking about before we backed up to give our disclaimers was I really felt like the new rules really took the wind out of Orgeron. The staff didn't know how to deal with it. They didn't have a very good plan. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And I I mean, that came with, you know, Goodrich was obviously the backup plan for Sertain. They lost him. Um, They couldn't make up their mind whether they were going to go with Sertain or Foster. There was the big, and they ended up with neither. It was just, a couple days ago, Coach O was talking in the press about how the hard cap of 25. So, I mean, the change in rules wasn't just the second signing day. It was that 25 is now a hard cap. He was publicly complaining about it, saying how it doesn't, you know, it ties his hands. Or I forget his exact wording. And at the end of it, he doesn't even hit that number because he just he didn't know who to offer. Yeah, and I, I think that really. Instead of just saying four guys, these are my four guys, I'm going to commit to them. And I understand you had to reserve one for Sertain. Um, he just – everybody felt like a backup option. When no one is your priority, everyone felt second class. And so they went to the place where the program said, hey, we want you. Yeah, I think – I mean, and this has just been my pet theory. I don't have any info. I think – they honestly thought the kicker, the Cole Tracy, they could get a waiver for him. I, I agree with that. Or didn't think they needed a waiver or whatever because he was a graduate transfer. They didn't think he would count as the 25. However, they had worked that out. And so I think they slotted that their last few positions would be Sertain, Joseph, Chase, Goodrich, and Foster. I thought that I think yeah. that they were like, those are the five guys we're going to f- close this class with. And then the, the kicker thing happens, and then all of a sudden you got to – start dealing with trying to figure out which <laughs> okay we know we want certain like he said today even like we, they did a draft so certain was their number one guy of course i'm sure chase was probably number two um and joseph they kind of had in the bag and everyone kind of knew that one but 
the other two, you know, Goodrich was a heavy LSU lean that we basically just let slip through the cracks because they couldn't decide, like you said, do they want him or do they want Foster? They want Goodrich. They want like we wrote an article about this on the site, and yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think even, like one of the recruiting writers today alleged that like even if they had come off of Foster like a day or two ago, they might have still been able to get Goodrich. Like that's how much he liked LSU. But basically, by Monday evening, it was so clear that they were not sure on him that he just was like, "No, I'm done with you." You know, if you're not, if you yeah. don't want me, I don't want you either. So. And I don't want to say look, he's going to Clemson. So, but if his top choice was LSU, Sertain kind of hosed him a little. On the flip side, Goodrich sh- should have delayed his announcement if he really wanted to go to LSU. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, is Clemson was in a position where they could say, "We want you. You're our number one guy," and then it happened. Um, Same thing they did with that running back last year, Travis Etienne, who made some yeah. plays for them this year. It was like. We backburnered him all year, and then we started showing interest, and then they came in, and they were late too, but they got to leverage the fact that he was in-state against us and just be like, well, they've put you on the backburner. You're our number one back, which is a lie, yeah. but it worked. And, and that's kind of recruiting is – Yeah. It's full of deception. I'm not going to get on a program for that. And I, I think if you look at it, there are some good things about this class. So let's – once again, it's 15th in the country, so it's not a disaster. I don't think it's bleeding talent. At the same time, it definitely makes LSU look like it has clearly fallen a step behind the leaders, particularly with Georgia recruiting balls out. Oh, my God, Georgia's class. What the fuck? Um, but I, I think there are some good things, and I think Coach O is right to point this one out, that this was a heavy line-dominated class, and it's hard to evaluate linemen. Yes. I, I, I think he's right about that. Offensive linemen aren't flashy, but you need them, and I think our offensive line recruiting has been fairly terrible. Yep. Uh, so really good to fill the cracks there. That is something that LSU absolutely had to do. Um, look at the amount of freshmen we were playing. Offensive line depth was a huge issue. He went after those guys. He also did the same thing with defensive line. We had a lot of guys graduating. I think that was the right priorities. So that's a good thing about this class. Um, that means your best players aren't exactly flashy, but they can. There is a chance that they can form the bedrock of the program going forward. Yeah, and if you look at what, if you look at where LSU has struggled the last several years, obviously quarterback. Okay, uh, we didn't answer that with this class, but the other big pieces have been on the lines. Like the lines, when we go up against elite teams, notably Alabama, don't look like themselves. And, you know, if you want to take the positive view here, this is the class that's starting to get you back in that direction. That's the positive part. I would say another negative is uh, if you look at the roster saying, okay, what are the biggest weaknesses on the roster? Quarterback, obviously, we only have three quarterbacks on roster. Um, I think you can get through with three quarterbacks. It's not ideal, but it's not quite the the panic moment that everyone else is saying. Especially with two young. Two of them are young. Exactly. Yeah, yeah no one's really that old. You have uh, only four cornerbacks on scholarship. That's huge. And then also the running back depth. This is really the first time LSU does not really have a loaded backfield. And – 
that more goes to last year you know, yep. when they missed out on both ATN and Acres, but they didn't really do a whole lot to alleviate the backfield. So this is two straight years we've missed on the backfield, and that's concerning to me because that's actually something that dates back to the prior season. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I tend to – I guess it's just the way I think about football, but, like, I never – LSU has been a historically a heavy run, a run heavy dominant program, uh, and we've gone over that many times on this show. That like, if you look at our quarterback history, it's outright bad, basically. Yeah, um, and, and that's so, not just the Les Miles era. That's no, 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 all yeah, time. That's ever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it feels strange for him to not be like routinely pulling in big time running backs, which we haven't done either the last two years. Um, but we do have a bunch of bodies, and I don't know. I just feel like the running back position in general has kind of been devalued the last few years. Like, if you have a great one, okay, but you don't have to. Yeah, and I like to have a great one. And honestly, it's just, it's mainly that I. it goes back to 18. Missing on the acres, I get. Like, that one didn't hurt that bad. He's a great player. I think he's was the best player on the board. He just didn't want to go here. So, yep. you know, ha- have fun. But missing out on ATN is the one that hurt because that was a guy who did have a desire to go to LSU, and he jumped over to Clemson. And we just got outworked on that one. And, I mean, yes, he, as you pointed out, they probably told him a story that wasn't entirely true, but they were in a position to tell that story. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I still hold out hope for Brissette. Yeah, right. and also look, you know, Hilaire. I'm, I'm not, you know, yep. I don't think it, it's not like there's nothing there, but that is a concern. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the strongest position on the roster is wide receiver. Yeah, what in the world? It's interesting because we probably had, we signed the best receiver class in the country, um, and you're adding those guys to what is already. A roster strength. Um, yes, there's a lot of good guys there already. I know not all of them have developed the way we want them to, but they're not and, all like not doing anything. They're just kind and, of slowly coming along. And a lot of them were sophomores this year. Yeah. So we're talking a lot of guys coming into their upper class and going into their junior year. Guys ready when guys tend to make the leap. Yeah, and then you also got. Giles in there, which I know he's probably just here for a year. I think I think he has two years of eligibility. But um, O talked him up today and said, you know, he's a starter for us, and no one can cover him. Which yeah. is kind of what we thought we were getting, but you never know, you know. So it's and and so that begs the question: Are any of these receivers possible guys who could translate the cornerback? It's not the same set of skills, but they're similar set of skills. Yeah, or, or Webster. Or, since we didn't go straight to the 25 cap, is there still an opportunity to go to JUCO and just get a guy for depth? Just to get a fifth cornerback on the roster? Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing for those last two spots, they're going to try and find someone, a graduate transfer or something like that. I don't think they want a young guy. You know, obviously, if you can get a young guy like Sertain, you want that guy. But I don't yeah. think they're not going to go pluck some three star, you know, that or some nobody from Louisiana. Like, I just don't yeah. see them burning a scholarship on that. 
Yeah, because that's a four-year commitment. Huh? I yeah. definitely thought either they would say, hey, wide receiver, you didn't pan out, think you can cover, or go to the JUCO rank. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. It's weird. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these guys, the receivers, played DB in, in high school because that's usually what they do. Um, but I don't know. I mean, none of them stick out to me like – like we've had guys in the past that really do sort of that multiple role thing and can't find a home. I mean, people are going to talk about Jacoby Stevens, but he's a safety. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we got our first clue today because Joseph O was very ardent that he's going to play corner for us now, which all the talk before this was that he would play safety, but obviously that's under the assumption that you get certain. So, I mean, that's one body, but that still leaves you with just five guys. So they got to get pulling, somebody. Just pulling it up, pulling up the 247 composite uh, Juco cornerback rankings. Yeah, I did that um, today. Yeah, I don't know anything about these guys. I see number three in the country. It looks like he's unsigned. Benji Franklin is from Houston, Texas. Um, number seven in the country, Dwayne Johnson's Washington, D.C. The Rock. It's the What's Rock. that? It's Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Yeah, well, Dwayne, not oh, Dwayne. Damn. Yeah, I know, but close enough. We can still call him the Pebble. <laughs> um, uh, Terrence Williams uh, from Riverview, Florida, um, is number ten in the country, and going down, number fourteen, Antonio Nelson from Montgomery, Alabama. So it looks like there's still some guys. I don't know why they haven't signed or. I mean, maybe they have, and it just hasn't been announced yet, or you know, or maybe just they have grades issues and they're not going to be able to. But there's a few highly rated JUCOs out there. Um, I mean, they're three stars, but that's kind of what you we're, we'd be looking at depth at this point. A guy who can just, in case greedy gets hurt. Exactly. I mean, that's really yeah. the you don't they don't necessarily need a guy to play. Unless someone gets hurt. Well, four. That's kind of hard to play. I mean, most teams are running a lot of receivers out there, only having four corners. I mean, I think NFL teams have more than four corners. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, it's not an ideal number. Like yeah. Some of those and, safeties can shift into coverage roles for those type of situations, too. Yeah, and that makes the uh, the early defections hurt that much more. And on, you know Dante, I, no problem with Dante. I mean, he was—he's going to be a second-round pick, maybe a first-round. But Tolliver leaving is still a kind of a painful loss. Yeah, that's one I wonder too. In hindsight, like, did they do? Did they put a real press on him to return, or were they thinking him leaving opens up that depth chart for certain? So yeah, because if they did. Pitch? They have really messed it up if that was the plan. Yeah. And, yeah, so it looks like Sertain, I think he really messed up. He messed up a lot on the roster. Let's not lie. Like, yeah, I think that's the bigger reaching part of it and why, like, normally when we strike out, it's like, ah, that sucks, but, you know, we still got this guy and this guy, and they're really good players. And this year it's like we struck out and we don't have anybody. Yeah, and it cost you the other big guy. Goodrich was – Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, you know, certain pitching certain cost us good rich 
and it might have forced Tolliver off the roster. If that's true, that's it costs us two players. It's bad. Yeah, not good. Not not a good not a good close. And look, and, and this is not to blame Sertain. I, I I sincerely believe kids are allowed to choose wherever they want to go. I don't want to badmouth them or anything like that. Um he you know, it wasn't like he was a commit that flipped. No, he on he, signing day. He handled it like a pro. Everything he did was I mean, his dad's a professional athlete, so it's probably no wonder, but he was on the up and up all the way and yeah, yeah. I, I like. It, are we really surprised that Bama can come in and take? Yeah, I mean, it's more Bama came. Bama came in, and as I've said many times, Nick Saban is the greatest recruiter of all time. But you know, as you pointed out, like this is not a great class by Alabama standards. I think they were caught a little bit by the new rules. It is weird. Yeah, like I kept looking at their class, thinking. Surely they're about to add like six guys, right? Like, and I'm just not up on who they've been recruiting, and it just never happened. And in fact, they were like losing guys in the afternoon to Florida yeah. and Georgia. It was bizarre. Yeah, a very un Alabama type. Day. So I think the one thing that that helps is normally when LSU, if you had the number fifteen class, that would normally mean you were like seventh or eighth in the SEC. This year means you're fifth. Yeah. So it's it, they didn't lose a whole lot of ground on anyone. Um, except Bama, of course, but yeah, and Bama finished seventh, which normally it's like even when they're, I think it's the first year they haven't been number one in a while, but it, yeah, it's like seven or eight years, so it's they're always hovering around that spot. It's kind of a weird. I, I was looking at it today at the team ranking. So Georgia number one is a surprise, but like they're an elite recruiting team, so it's not a huge shocker. Ohio State, they're always right up there. Yeah, Texas. Okay, their power. Tom Herman can recruit. We know USC. Yeah. Not surprised. Penn State. A little surprising to be that high. Yeah, I think so. That's a uh, doing work. Franklin is one heck of a recruiter. Yep. Clemson. I, this is kind of where Clemson's been falling. They've never really been a one-two team. They're kind of always back half of the top ten. What's big about Clemson is that they have five five stars. Yep. I mean, that's the crazy thing. How many did Georgia get? Uh, Georgia got seven. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's – but the difference is this. Georgia got seven five-stars and 15 four-stars. It's just insane. Okay, Clemson had five five-stars and seven four-stars. I mean, it's uh, – the drop-off is pretty big. So you finish out the top ten, Bama, of course, Miami, which Rick can recruit. Yeah. Um, and they kind of always float around there. OU looks like they're upturning under Lincoln Riley. Yeah, we'll see. Notre Dame is always kind of around that top ten, and then it's like your usual suspects: Florida State, Auburn. Lower than normal. Florida State lower than normal. Yep. But but they had a coaching change, so I think yep. you spot them a year. I, I think the big one's thirteen. You see Washington yeah, pop up there. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, and also sixteen Oregon. Yep. Oregon's not known for recruiting at that level. So Willie Taggart doing doing work up there. Yeah, I saw a lot of A&M fans. Were, I thought it was interesting. A lot of A&M fans were really excited about their day, which I know Jimbo got there late, but they still only finished 17th. Yeah, but that's a hold-it-together class. That's true. Um, and also, it's it feels different because of how you close. 
um, remember, most of the class was already in. So LSU fell today. Yep. A&M, I think, probably climbed. So you feel better after the day because you're not thinking about the 19, 20 guys you already had in the barn. Yeah, very good point. You know, you're only thinking about the the four guys we're going after today. I mean, you know, only getting two of them. Yeah, I mean, their class looks okay. It doesn't look great. But like you said, it's a holdover sort of transition class. Yeah. Um, also, and they, they were the ones who got Foster, right? They did. That was a, a shocker. So... I think that's the one that hurts is they can point, oh, we got a win over LSU. Um, I I really don't ever know what our, what our interest was in Ellis in, in Foster. I think that's, we should have just stuck with Goodrich the entire time. I know we had talked about it offline. Uh, Yeah. I just, I just think we just, you know, I don't think we were that high on him. I think we wanted a quarterback, and that's always the worst way to do things. Yeah, like I saw some people, someone tweeted today, like, I know everyone's upset about Sertain, but the big story here will be James Foster in three years. I'm like, Eh. honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if James Foster is at a Juco in three years. It's like, like, he has some tools and stuff, but I don't know. Look, our eggs are in the Miles Brennan basket, to be perfectly honest, and that's two years right there because he'll be a sophomore and then a junior because he's you know can't leave early. Um, so I'm not too concerned. I mean, it wasn't like Foster was going to come in and play this year. You can still recruit two guys next. You can sign two guys next year in the class, which I think you'll have to do, and they'll be freshmen while we'll have two juniors on the roster. Well, probably at that point, Narcisse will transfer. Yeah, he would be a redshirt sophomore by then. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I guess junior level eligibility. Yeah, so like, I'm not too concerned about the depth chart there because we got a lot riding on Brennan. It's true. Yeah. I, I don't think we've ever had – we haven't had as much riding on a single quarterback since Parallel. Oof. And that did not work out well. Probably not. I think Brennan's a bit more grounded than young Ryan Perilou. And also, I think uh, Lowell Narcisse is a tad better than Andrew Hatch. That's the the number one backup. Yeah, we're in better position there. It'll be interesting to see what they do with those last two spots. He said they've already looked at some grad transfer QBs. Normally those names are kind of out there, but I haven't. I don't know who they are. You know, it's it's tempting to think of who could who could transfer, but I, I really think it's time to commit to Miles Brennan. You know I mean, it, it's hard to say a guy's going to transfer here or ride the bench. I mean, it happens. I mean, Zaire did it. Um, going from you know Notre Dame and Florida, is that right? Think he was someone who trans- yep. guys do transfer to just stick on the bench, but normally it's so you can get a chance to start. Yeah, like Atling coming here, you know, it was yeah, yeah. I guess he wasn't a grad transfer though. Yeah, but like Russell Wilson was, and you know, he was doing that so he could start. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I'm trying to find a list here, see if there's any names. I, I don't know. It's this was a very. It was a blah class, and I, I mean maybe that's part of the effect of some of the some of the more unpopular coaches were were bang bang up recruiters, and they're no longer on staff. I mean, yeah. Pavito, I mean, was never a real popular guy, but he could bring guys in. Um, I guess you could say it's a uh, Corey Raymond was supposed to bring it in, and there's the rumors about whether he's going to come back. That might have had something to do with Sertain's decision. Yep, I'm a little bit nervous about that. But yeah, it's, not, a, it's a weird subplot. If Corey Raymond doesn't come back, it truly is a disaster. Um, but I don't think anything today was disastrous. It it was really bad PR. And this is a school that could LSU could use a, a pick me up and didn't get one. Yeah, I think you. It sends the message of like you need him to go win those big battles as a head coach. I'm speaking of obviously yeah. the whole staff collective needs to do it. Uh, and everyone recruiting wise kind of was aware that this class was a little bit down. State of Louisiana wasn't great this year. That was a big factor in it. Um, but you know, everyone's turned their eyes to the next year's class and been like, that's our class that could be like Georgia's this year. We can go get all these elite guys. Yeah. But it kind of rocks the, the boat a little bit when you're like, well, can we, can we win those battles? Because we just didn't, you know, Yeah, 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 you got to show something this year because look, LSU won nine games this year, but it was a pretty empty nine wins. Yeah, they've got to they got to win. And next year, LSU is going to play a a big boy schedule. It is kicking off with Miami. You're going to play both Florida and Georgia out of the East. Um, Auburn is going to return Stidham, so they'll still be stout. Mississippi State looks like they're going to be a real contender in the West. I mean, that's three, five. That's six games right there. That's already just massive games that you just can't sleepwalk through. Yeah, absolutely. So LSU needs to win some of the, there's a, but that's a, a good thing for the program because they need to show they can win some games like that. I mean, they, they did win the Auburn game last year. So that's kind of what he, you know, holding, hanging his hat on. You need, you need three Auburn wins. Yeah, and they'll probably end up like splitting it. Yeah, if they go three and three in those games, it, it'll be the same record, but it'll be a much better team. Won't be perceived that way, though. I don't know. We weren't perceived as being that great because the SEC was so down. I think if you play both Alabama, Georgia, you, you'll get a little bit of leeway. Yeah, plus say- Miami. I, I mentioned today that I think they need to beat Bama. I mean, obviously they do, but in the very least, they need to have Bama on the ropes. Like, I know we've been pretty close the last yeah. couple of years, but it was always like, okay, we're going to lose in the you know at the end. Yeah, and they need a like game in doubt. We have a shot here. Yeah, and 
Yeah, and it comes down to the offense is going to almost completely turn over. The defense is going to be stout. I don't. You got. Uh, we have some nerves about the depth in the secondary, but that's about it. Yeah. So, and the linebacking core should be unbelievably good. Yeah, and the defensive line should be uh, deep. Yeah, so I'm not too concerned about. Yeah, the front seven should be a monster. Um, but really, it comes down to, it, man, this is. It comes down to the offense in ways that it really hasn't in the past. Because before, you could say LSU can win in spite of its offense. I don't think they can win in spite of its offense this year. They're, and also, they're replacing a lot. Um, some of that might be good. Some of it might be bad. Um, but if they're putting in a new system, it's time to show off that new system right away. Yeah. Oh, they're going to throw it 70 times a game. That's what my sources to. You know, I, I wouldn't be against it. <laughs> um, I look, you got so many receivers. I mean, if it, only one ball and you have 14 receivers. You need to figure this one out. That's, uh, should have, they should hire Matt Canada. He does yeah. a lot of interesting things with jet sweeps. and That's what I've heard. Matt Cannon does interesting things to get receivers involved in the game. <laughs> I should, um, yeah, and I, the other thing is, you know, basketball gave us a little bit of a distraction in early January, but reality is setting in for this team. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, and, and look, I, I think really kind of a smart decision by Wade to kick two guys, suspend two players – and kick another two off um, because that buys you an excuse. So, hey, look, I was down four guys, you know, before the recruiting class of next year kicks in. I I still think everyone's going to walk away from the season with a good taste in their mouth. But right now I think everyone's kind of moved on past basketball. So LSU could have used another three weeks of distraction. That's true. Um, so yeah, we're, you know, baseball is about to get started again, but that doesn't get going, really get going for a while. Do you make anything of the, uh, the Wade controversy? Which one? There was a couple publications jumping on the fact of, because LSU has, uh, Cavell, the, uh, was it Big B Williams or whatever? Yeah. Okay, and so he had rape allegations, sexual assault allegations at Oregon um, that were dropped, I believe. Yeah. And then the same thing with this recruit, Emmett Williams, five-star kid. Um, definitely a bad look. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, it's I kind of stay away from trying to moralize about you know, recruits and things like that. If the charges have been dropped, charges have been dropped. And as long as it hasn't been because you influenced the police department, uh, I'm not gonna. That was kind of my take. Like, I I don't really know what they were wanting LSU to do other than just, yeah. Like the charges were dropped for both of them. So, yeah. 
Like what? Uh, yeah. I, I yeah, guess I it's. I guess the concern is he took two of them. Like, it, yeah, if yeah. he took one, does it matter? Like, I don't know. Yeah, like I, I don't get that. Like, one's okay. Everyone gets a mulligan. Yeah. Um, I, but this is also isn't like, and also there's like no. This isn't Joe Mixon, you know, punching the girl out. Yeah. I mean, or I'm trying to just think of ones, and all I can think of is Oklahoma, so I don't want to pick on them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking D.D. Westbrook yeah, next. Yeah, that's, that's the next one that bothers <laughs> me. But, but you see what I'm saying? Like, it's – I mean, like, those were actually, like, confirmed. Out. We know it happened. Yeah. Um, here, I, I get really – uh, dodgy about when we were when everyone's an internet tough guy, everybody becomes Mister Law and Order. Particularly when you're talking about other other teams. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of a I, I am a fan a little bit of due process, but and look if I, I think everybody should have to you know I, I don't think you should ever subvert the process. I, I think one of the things like Florida State that really bothered me with like the Winston stuff is I really felt that it seemed that they influenced that investigation and put the kibosh on it. And that really felt icky to compare it to like the Jeremy Hill thing at LSU. You know, he went to court like anybody else and, you know, had to go to a judge. And I think was treated just like anybody else would have been treated for punching someone out in a parking lot. And I think that's what I, I demand of teams. You know, so you, you have to balance the rights of the the kid, you know, versus your desire for to you know look like the baddest ass, tough on crime motherfucker on the world. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I wanted to get your take as an as an attorney at law. Yeah, as an attorney at law, I you know things. I don't know anything about the cases. Like it was kind of. And like also no details. I mean, that's part of the issue. Is yeah. Well, also there shouldn't be. They're minors. Yeah. Like I don't, it'd be really bad if there was. Um, but I'm going to take the word of those local, you know, constabulary Tories, and I hope that it wasn't because the high school put pressure on it. The local ISD, you know, made the charges disappear. That would that would be bad. Um, I don't get any sense of that. I haven't heard anything like that. So until I do, I'm not going to condemn that. I also think there's an element of when teams that aren't supposed to do well, do well in recruiting, everyone jumps on them. That's very true. Like if UCLA was having these recruits, no one would give a shit because it's UCLA and they're awesome. And like, that's why UCLA gets awesome recruits, you know, cause you know, going back to wooden, but it happens at LSU. LSU is not supposed to be bringing in these guys. Kentucky is. Yeah, it's interesting, too. I think because that, that was part of the story. Like, well, Kentucky and Duke or someone else, like, backed off of them. And it's like, yeah, because Kentucky and Duke can just kind of pick and choose which ones yeah. of those guys they, can, they want. <laughs> yeah. So why are they going to take the one with any sort of concern? Like, they're just like, no, we'll just take the other one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's easy to be on the high horse when, you know, McDonald's All-Americans are falling over themselves to go to your program. And it's also, like, we've talked about this before, it's the reason Oklahoma takes questionable character kids. It's it's their recruiting footprint. Yeah. You know, they don't, not a whole lot of four and five stars coming out of Oklahoma. 
they're coming out of Texas. And so they're going into other states to recruit. They take on riskier kids because they have to. That's, That's a very good point. You know, and I'm not going to completely condemn them for that. That's, you know, and also um, I, I actually do believe in second chances. So, so I'm, once again, I'm not trying to pick on Oklahoma and say that they're a dirty program. I don't think they are. Um, I do think the Mixon thing was pretty gross, but like, but by and large, like that's just the position they're in. You know, if you're lower on the totem pole, you take more chances. It's 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 why kids with questionable character go to JUCO. Yep. You know, are we suddenly saying that you know JUCOs are you know doing anything to win? So. Until he starts doing it with players that are actually on campus, I'm not going to worry too much about it because it seems like he hasn't let stuff slide with the current team. Yeah, I agree. They, uh, he certainly put the hammer down. I guess it was last week, no? Yeah, so. Did you – I guess one last note on the recruiting – but did you see the tweet today? I can't stand this guy. I can't believe people follow him because I think he's just like – he's the most like wah-wah LSU guy. Like everything that happens, he's like, wow, look at this program as a dumpster. It's like, okay, it's enough of that. But Russ Mitchell something, whatever, media guy. I don't even – I don't <laughs> think I know him. I don't even think I follow him. So, Well, you're better for it. I followed him for a little while and was like, I can't handle this shit. Um. He tweeted that like there's a chance when Bama comes to Tiger Stadium this year, both of their corners would be Sertain and then Savion Smith, former LSU DB. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, he was wait, using wait, that wait. as like a glowing indictment on the program. I okay, that happens all the time. Like guys leave the program, and you know Savion Smith didn't work out. He then transferred to Bama. Good for him. Sertain. <laughs> I mean, are we suddenly supposed to feel bad that Bama's really good at recruiting? <laughs> like, I mean, I'd rather the guys we miss on go to Bama and not be going to Tulane. Like, that's when you're really, you know, that's when things are bad because that means you're targeting guys who aren't that good. That's true. Uh, yeah. I, you know, okay. Well, you know, playing Hootie Jones didn't exactly, you know, ruin our program, so. <laughs> oh, Hootie. But Hootie got a ring. He did. And yeah. good for him. Or three or something. Well, yeah, whatever. But still, like, okay. Like, you know, we have good players too. Um, I mean, will we trade Greedy Williams for anybody on their, uh, anyone in their backfield right now? Probably not. Now that, uh, what's his Minka's name? He's gone. gone. Yeah. yeah. I, I, for Minka Fitzpatrick, but he's gone. So. And also, our safeties are awesome. (laughs) Yes. So, I'm not that... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not that concerned about it. That doesn't really... That doesn't move my needle. There you have it. This signing class doesn't move Poser's needle. He just said it. 
It doesn't. Well, that's actually true. It doesn't move my needle. I'm, <laughs> actually, that's more positive than a lot of people are being right now. I'm, I'm not I'm not panicking in the streets, and I'm not like super depressed about it. But I'm also not. It wasn't a great class for us. Yeah, that's about where I am. Like, it, I think there's a chance it could turn into a great class. I mean, O did his whole like. Well, first of all, every coach in America says they love their guys. So who cares? But, uh, you know, he he did his whole, I feel like I evaluate better than anybody, and we have high grades on all these guys' things. So, I mean, if, you know, if he's right, then maybe some of these guys that are lower four stars are going to be big hits. I don't know. Yeah, no, and, you know, it's, with linemen, that can definitely happen. Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things is like, especially two of the defensive linemen we signed were probably on pace to be around top 100 type players and both got injured, lost their senior seasons. Yeah. And so that just crushes their rankings, you know, and it's, I, I know that's just two players, but. It, it matters. It does matter. I mean, and so, and also I'm happy that he is going after linemen. I think it's something that's been neglected because there has been a little bit of star chasing in our recruiting. Yeah, and we've been heavy on DBs before, and it's not really – it's been fun to call ourselves DBU, but has it really delivered anything on the field? I mean, it did when we had Honey Badger and Patrick Peterson. I mean – Well, that, yes. Yeah, but yes, I, I know what you mean. <sighs> if only we could bring back Honey Badger. If only, if only. Does he have eligibility left? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> Anything else? Um, this is like a remarkably short episode for us. It, it is. Like, there's. I mean, we're just kind of going over recruiting, and you know, we have a special project that we need to. Once we stop recording, we need to start talking about because um, I actually have you on the line, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll unveil that. I guess next week we'll start. Yeah. Should on be the site. finally ready. I, I overpromised and underdelivered on Twitter, but I kind of lost track of the fact that signing day was coming. So, because again, it wasn't signing day. Um, yeah. So yeah. We'll, so we'll have much longer podcasts as we get into our special project, which is to be unveiled on the site. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. dun. <laughs>